Well, in the 1990s, tertiary education in New Zealand changed radically, and no more so than in the visual arts. While it now seems almost colonial to me, there used to be two art schools that were considered the places to pitch for as a young artist, an aspiring artist for the modern era. There was Elam at the University of Auckland and Ilam at the University of Canterbury. Then outside of the university was the place of the so-called applied arts and crafts, and you can imagine my inverted commas about this one, customary practice was also there. Yet the 1990s saw huge growth in polytechnics and wānanga offering university degree training, and it has led to a quiet revolution in Māori art, as it's been described in a newly released book, Kimua Kimuri. It's about the 25-year legacy of Toyoho Ki Apiti. It's a school of Māori art program at Massey University in Palmerston North. And while in the 90s institutions like Te Wānanga o Aotearoa and Tairawhiti Polytechnic's Toihokura art program in Gisborne were transformational in their own right, it was this Bachelor of Māori Visual Arts program at Massey's uh, Palmerston North Campus that provided Māori artists with an alternative to the so-called Fine Arts Academy. Well, Dr. Johanna Smith was the first graduate from the course the, uh, with a Bachelor of Māori Visual Arts in 1988. She went on to get a PhD, and she now heads Fiti O Rehua School of Art at Massey University, based in Pornaki, the first woman with Whakapapa Māori to head an art school in Aotearoa. Last year, she was made member. Sorry, this year she was made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for Services to the Environment. But she's here to talk to me about a transformation in Māori visual arts education. Kia ora, Huhana. Kia ora, Mark. Lovely to see you again. It is. Um, you started your education uh, in that kind of so-called mainstream uh, in Melbourne, was it? Correct. Yeah. No, I did. Uh, I did a um, bachelor of um, art and craft. In Melbourne, that was my first um, foray into tertiary education, and I think it was called the um, Melbourne College of Advanced Education then. Oh yeah. Um, and then it became Melbourne University. Um, but I think I, I did that course, and I was pretty hungry to be an artist rather than a teacher per se. But every year I threatened I was going to leave and go to VCA or go to RMIT and and do art. Um, but I stayed on, and um, I. Then decided, you know, like I was in Melbourne, you know, a little unsure about what I was doing and where I was going. And I had done Indigenous studies through that course as well. So I'd I'd studied Aboriginal art, which was interesting, and then realised I couldn't go much further than that. And it was a matter of, um, you know, things happening in your life when you're in your 20s and you just make big decisions and go... I'll go over to Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I'll sort out mum's side of the whānau. So, you know, we are Ngāti Tukura here, um, Raikawaki Tonga, and um, it was important that I thought I'd been doing all this Indigenous studies in, in Australia. It seemed more important that I did Indigenous studies in Aotearoa. So, so where is that rohi? Pardon? Where, where you fucker papa from? Where, where is that uh, Our rohe is Kuku in Horefenua, so, and we also have connections to Tapapa in Waikato, so we are a... You know, we had travelled through um, at the behest of Waitohi, you know, and through Te Rauparaha, et cetera, um, when we moved from Waikato to um, Kuku. But that's where I'm located now, and I'm yeah. living in Island Bay. So you but, came home. Mm. Mm. Well, I am. I did. I came home, and that was pretty cool. And it was importantly so, because I think because I'd been doing so much Indigenous studies, I knew I could only go so far. I wasn't Indigenous to Australia, even though we grew up in a rural environment where I knew we were on Pangarang country and I knew who the local Indigenous peoples were, but I also knew how particularly bad it was for people of colour. 
Um, and, you know, in Australia at that time in the in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, and also kind of recognised at times too that mum, you know, had some, you know, adverse kind of experiences of being Māori in, our, in Australia as well. So I think I was um, kind of a acculturated in an Indigenous context, but I knew in my heart I couldn't do any more on an Indigenous Australian context, so I had to go and sort mum's side of the family out. So that's really mm. why I came to Aotearoa. And that's that's 30 years ago this year. I mean, I'm pretty astounded. I can't believe it. 30 years. <laughs> and here you are. you got the PhD and you're even heading a uh, massive school. Yeah, well, look, I was that's heading and I should have actually warned, I should have said this to you before, but um, I did hand over the reins of the head of school in August. I've just had um, my partner has, um, you know, he's, you know, dementia decline and that kind of thing. So it was too much. No, that's so our bad. Now our bad. Got, you know, Kingsley Baird <laughs> is now, now leading the school until we get a new head of school next year. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely. But the, um, so this this course, mm. this, 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 this Bachelor of Māori Visual Arts program, that wasn't actually... Already, it hadn't started, but you essentially were waiting for it to start. Is that how it how it happened? Pretty much. You're the first I mean, graduate. It was, it was really kind of serendipitous, um, like me coming over. I was coming to um, have a holiday the summer of ninety two, ninety three, and go and meet the Māori relations, and you know all around the all around the country, all around the North Island in particular. And, and then I got wind of this. Um, I was quite hungry to do some studies, so I was living in Auckland and I was hanging out with people from Auckland University. So I used to go and sit on Ranginua, Ranginua Walker's and um, Anne Salmon's classes. Oh. I used to always wonder who the girl down the back of the class was who never came to tutorials. But <laughs> um, that's because I was just hanging out there with you know friends I'd made. And it kind of got me a bit hungry about, like, I need to study again and what am I going to study? And I was wondering, will I stay in Auckland and study? in Auckland. And then I got wind that there was going to be a Bachelor of Māori Visual Arts starting in 1995. And I thought, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. And and that's when it all began. I was doing... Um, I was doing extramural papers while I was living in Auckland, and so I did Tarell, and I did the um, the first of the Nahanga Fakairo, the first of the Māori visual arts papers that um, had come from John, John Bevan Ford and had been kind of expanded upon by mm. Professor Robert Yonka. So I did that, and it just blew my mind. So I went right, and then I then I then I discovered that um, they were going to start a new course. So I. Lived in Auckland for 1993, kind of weaning myself off a big city like Melbourne and going to Auckland yeah. because I wasn't ready to do, um, I wasn't ready to do Melbourne to Palmerston North, so I didn't think that I would do that transition very well. <laughs> um, and so I did Auckland for a year and then came down to Palmerston North, and I probably lived in Palmy for about three three years while I did that. Course. You you say in the book Kimua Kimuri that it changed your life. Why why was that? Um, it changed my life because, I mean, I think I, I kind of alluded a little bit before in my 20s, you know, you always have tumultuous times in your 20s, you know, broken hearts and tumultuous relationships and all that kind of thing. So it was actually a really good time for me to leave Australia and actually just leave everything behind and literally start again. And I think when I got down to my last $15 from that holiday, I made the decision that actually I was going to stay. And then my parents had to move my house and studio that I had in Mooney Ponds. I rented a house and studio in Mooney Ponds. And I think they were pretty horrified with the kind of life I was leading. And they, I think they were kind of thinking that I would uh, needed to shape up a bit. So coming to Aotearoa was part of that, you know, get you know, get myself back in order again. Yeah. And then um and dive into something as mm. rich and as um yeah, like as transformative as the course was. 
the course, the, the the when you were there, I think starting off, you know, as you, you mentioned, Professor Robert Yonkers setting, uh, doing a lot of the setup, and then you had Shane Cotton, Kudatewadu Rewiri, who I think you were saying yeah. before is still they're still there. These people still involved, which is incredible after twenty five years. Um, they all had been at like Ilam and Elam, those those schools I mentioned in my introduction. So it's kind of fascinating that they knew they knew the system, right? They and and people like Shane were stars, you know, big art world stars suddenly, but they came to Palmerston North. And 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 truly they did and and brought that amazing legacy and what was missing. I mean, they were hungry for what was missing in those art schools. And so that they were charged with what wasn't happening for Māori yeah. within those schools. So it just seemed a really incredibly um, powerful period. I mean, you have um, Sir Mason Drury was leading Māori studies. Mm. I mean, Bob has been called in from Waiariki Polytech to kind of help make things, start moving things. You know, John Bevan Ford's legacy, like moving Māori studies out of anthropology into its own Māori studies department. Mm. So the timing was perfect for the likes of Shane and Kura and Bob to ideate something absolutely different and that actually catered for the Māori student. So, um, you know, indigeneity, you know, um, the whole kind of... I mean, all all of us were Western art trained, but we all knew what was missing when you started to kind of delve into that Indigenous worldview and particularly a Māori worldview. So Kura, Shane and Bob... Um, I just found them so um, incredibly inspirational and that, you know, Bob also recognised that I'd come with a previous degree, so I had some skills and, and he was like, I was his graduate assistant, so he was kind of training me up at the same time. So you, and it says in the yeah. book, you know, like yeah. that year, that first graduate year, whatever it was, it's just you. It's just you. Were you there learning I, yeah, I a went lot in by yourself? second year. Yeah, it was just me. Yeah, I was in the, <laughs> I went into the second year and then there was a whole ah. range of first years that came in. It's quite a small course. Course, isn't it actually? It's and it's small always, but powerful. Or like up to ten students is considered wow. like woohoo. Yeah. But, um and you know, and it's always been that kind of tussle between what the university expects of a course that actually has enough FTEs in order to service the the cost of that kind of education. But it's been mm. so powerful for Māori students that it is considered like within the College of Creative Arts now Toy Fighting, it's considered a jewel. And that we don't want to mess with Toyo Hokiapati too much, thanks very much, despite it not being the large numbers of students that bring in the money. And we know that teaching is teaching and students are what are paying people's salaries. But it's the power of that course and what it's actually done twenty five years plus now. So we must be twenty eight twenty eight years now since um that um since it started. Um but I think I think Massey well recognises today that Toyoho Kiapiti is that awakening to that area of Apiti, which is that those mountain peaks on the, you know, the Tarudu-Aruahine kind of ranges. Right. And that <laughs> that awakening to that mount, you know, that inspirational mountain is why this course remains so powerful and so far-reaching. Can, can you explain so that a little bit more? Well, um... That connection to the landscape? Well, if you think, I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, 
all of those who ideated the course were have come from different iwi cultural contexts around the country. Right. But the recognition from a rangatane perspective that you would acknowledge the mana whenua of the people of the area. Mm. You would acknowledge the mana whakapapa of the people of the area. So everyone who was with Whakapapa Māori who came into that arena, we all acknowledge rangatane are the home people. So they are mm. the haukanga and the tikanga and the kawa is exacted from that um, right. knowledge base. So Toyoho Ki Apiti is acknowledging that um, ancestral maunga. Um, but I think when everyone from around the country is coming in and, you know, everyone's been around the world and they're, well, they've been um, in different art schools around the country, they have brought that calibre in, but then they're manifesting a whole new way of enabling students to learn where they take consideration of, you know, mana whakapapa, mana whenua, mana tangata, mana tiriti. So every single person who right. comes to learn there would take um, the tiriti papers that were when I was there. So those are the kind of the different streams like mana whakapapa, mana Absolutely. They, yeah. are, they are the foundational groundings for each year. Right. And so the students evolve through these different thematics, and, but they are power-packed with context and they are learning from the best, you know, the best minds. I mean, if you think about Bob... Mm. Shane, for starters, you know, throw me in the mix a little bit there, but, you know, I was, you know, kind of spanning Indigenous Australia and, and, and um, Aotearoa at the time. But um, that kind of nexus that came together then attracted other people to come. So you get the likes of um, Julie Pamakpengeli, who's from Tauranga, um, exceptional scholar, um, and then she's gone on to do amazing things with, um, you know, for tāmoko, as a tohunga tāmoko, right. yes. a mana wahine perspective. <laughs> so she's done amazing things, yeah. running her own businesses and that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, Nige Burrell, I think, you know, good mate Nige, um, yeah. you know, coming from the whare and the kōwhaiwhai kind of perspective. Um, Ngātai Taipa is deeply steeped with, you know, his father, um, the whole, you know, um, art movement to Atinga. So you suddenly mm. get this incredible wealth of people who are attracted to a course like that and everyone is bringing their dimension to that course. So I think um, when we think about the years in the 1990s, it was politically charged. It was like, it seemed like Māori could run New Zealand and everything's going to be okay. You know, it was really, <laughs> it was really such strong, um, yeah. you know, fervent feeling that, this was the place to ideate new ways of being and being embedded in Aotearoa New Zealand. It's, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's um it's a wonderful thing to think about that and that, that we're still moving forward. <laughs> we hope, but well, I, you know, oh, we're just we going back to the success yeah. of it. I mean, I think we, we just do, do we need to acknowledge it's kind of has you know Mata Aho Collective have you know won the Walters Prize. You know, as guys came through, Nigel Burrell went on to do toy uh, toy. To Toy Order, which is you know, which took over the whole of the Auckland Art Gallery. You, you can't get more you know middle of the mainstream now than that. Well, you, and you can't. And I mean, I think you also got <laughs> amazing. You know, nearly thirty years of this, um, the impact of this course that taught things at such a expansive level. Um, deep and expansive level. And then I think also couple that with the Kohanga movement where mm. we now have this incredibly confident um, te reo Māori, tikanga kawa-led 
you know, their world is normalised by te reo Māori and, right. and, and tikanga. So the kids coming into the... Well, oh, not yeah. kids. I mean, the, the, the young yeah. people coming into this massy well, course. they're all finishing their masters. Right. So, so they've gone through kōhanga and kura. And, and they are super confident, yeah. supercharged. And, and they're also, I think, because we know the course politicised the students as well. So really, you know... Kura's from a long activist background. Um, you know, Bob, um, they're all parts of Natamatoa. You know, they're part of that context which we, when we came in, they were considered like our precursors. And then now we're like the precursors of the next level of precursors. But the, particularly the Kohanga Reo and the, that, and the Kura Kaupapa movement, what that has done to um, enable such strength and confidence. And like they, these, these kids don't take, there's no no. There's no coal. Mm. They will forge futures for the way things should be from a Tamal, from a to Al Māori perspective that they won't waver from. So I think if you think, you know, despite the government going the other way, um, if you think about what's just happened with Te Pāti Māori and, you know, six of the seven seats, they mm. are confident kohanga. It's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, I had in my preparation, I was thinking I'd launch into the what I'd call the Pākehā question to you is, is well, you know, surely the world is, we're all, it's all one art world and we're all one, so shouldn't in the art the art training all be one? But it's very clear from the success of the course yeah. here yeah. in terms of yeah. that that's, you know. No, no, that's not, it's not the case. I mean, I think the distinctiveness of something like Toyo Hokiapiti as a Bachelor of Māori Visual Arts, which also has a Master's of Māori Visual Arts and then a PhD in Māori Visual Arts, um, gives you the kind of extent that students can delve into. And most of the ones who've done the PhDs through, well, yeah, most of them who've done the PhDs through Bob or, I mean, myself, I'm doing PhDs now through um, Māori Visual Arts. Um, they have done the BMVA. So right. the, the Toyo Kiapiti Bachelor of Māori Visual Arts program is the base program, which really does feed a young Māori student really well. And then they can go off into all sorts. They can be curators. They can be muse- in museums. They can be in galleries. They can teach. They can, you know, they've given a lot of scope in which to um, exercise their prowess. But I, I, I do believe if you haven't done Toyo Hukiapiti program, like it can be a little bit different to others. You know, even, you know, when I think about Fitio Rehua and our, our, our Bachelor of um, Massive, Fine yeah. Art. Mm. But those staff who've been involved, like Hemi McGregor, Rachel Rakena, they've all been through the Toyo Hukiapiti program in a undergraduate or master's or teaching perspective. They are putting new pathways of learning through the BFA at the moment. Well, so that's really fantastic. I guess that's I what I was going to ask, because, I mean, you know, whether um, it's kind of almost what, you know, that, everything, there must be some weaknesses if you take the path of uh, of 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 the Palmerston North course, right? Of Toyo uh, uh, Um or I mean, do you have a situation thinking about your your work that you've been doing, where for a Māori student, there's a choice they make, you know, which gone based on what they want to do in the world. Well, it is a choice they make whether they want to live in Palmerston North or not. Right. Um, and I mean, some students choose to be more Wellington based, but we're we're getting a lot closer between the spaces, which is great. Mm. But I do believe, and I've come to believe this because I probably had a different idea when I was head of school thinking I could you know you know do things but um, I do I have come to believe that the groundedness of Toyo Hokuyapiti within the 
Palmerston North campus is really important because it it maintains a focus, like a really strong focus. Right. Um, and it's not to say it takes away if you have an experience in Wellington. It's just going to be a slightly different experience. But in saying that, as I said, um, you know, our Māori staff within the BFA are working really hard um, and they're putting great, you know, flows of energy in, um, into new pathways that are really to enrich and enable. And then have we've got lots more stretch going on between the Toyohukiapiti program and the BFA, the masters, students, you know, Māori visual arts. We've had people from Auckland come down and do Māori visual arts and do really, really well. Um, but we've also encouraged people who wanting to do masters while you're doing your masters, take the Nahanga Fakaido paper as well. You can right. do it. Because it just enriches you to be able to read Māori visual language through um, the Whare Whakaero particularly or be able to read the Pātaka or the Waka um, as emblems of mana for Māori and then be able to and know who's which one's which and who's who and who does it belong to and then go to those different meeting houses. The painting meeting ha- painted meeting houses was a really big force when I was studying there. Right. Um, and that was on the, on the East Coast. Incre- yeah. yeah, on mm. the East Coast. But those they also stretch into right across into Waikato as well. So you've got a persistence of innovation that was happening through Māori visual culture in the 19th century, and that's carried through well into the 21st century. And then now we've just got those who have done the Toyo Hukiapiti course or been through some kind of touch with Massey, um, whether it be BFA or whether it be um, at Toyo Hall, but who are now taking over the world. Yeah. So there's nothing short of extraordinary about that that reach. Bob Yonker always talks about this differentiation between three types of... Of, of, of Toy Māori and it's really fascinating because this is a very complex area in terms of where artists go, right? Yeah. He talks about the the customary space, yeah. uh, you know, the customary art space and there's the trans-customary space which I think is like Toy Ho Kura at, mm. you know, Taira Fiti which is an incredible course, had incredible success where it's, you know, I guess a little bit like the Painted Meeting House, would that be right? Well, I, I mean... You, and well, then the non-customary as well. Well, you're, you're no, no, I mean, again... Messy. Think about the place it's grounded in. So you have to think of where, if you're grounded in Orangafakata with associate, you know, links to Nati Pro, and you're on the east coast. Of course, you're the um, the F of the F F efflorescence. What's that word? Um, when the 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 Pua Waitanga or the flowering ah. comes out of that cultural context in place. Toyohokiapiti, Rangatane, Tiatiawa with Pukiahu and our Toyohok. Um, sorry, our um, Fiti Orehua School of Art within Toilo Farangi College of Creative Arts in Wellington on Pukiahu. So everything's infused with place. Right. So that's Māori place. So understanding the criticality of that Māori place. Same for Tamaki Makoto, Ngāti Whātua. Same for, you know, um, you know Otipoti or, uh, or, or um, Otaitahi, like Christchurch. The more, and with Kaitahutanga and, you know, you think about um, the Paimanu group, Oh, that's an, we're, yeah, we're off this, yeah. I, I, I don't know. We're at, a, we're at a really kind of critical point in the whole kind of Māori visual culture kind of histories where you're leading from place and it's right. the people of place who are leading. Yeah. And there's no stopping. It, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very confident that a lot of things can be overcome 
um, through visual culture. And I think, you know, I know... But, but there is a tension there, isn't there? I mean, yeah. uh, the, in the book, Nahuia Te Awe Kotaku talks about shifting away what she calls restrictive customary expectations on Māori art. There's this kind of, you know, this idea that, you know, you have to stay with the, the tradition in terms of its visual legacy, whereas what Bob was talking about with the course there is, is like, it doesn't matter what it looks like. No, exactly. As long as the kaupapa is right. Yeah, that's, the, quite, that's quite yeah, a big schism that's, there. Quite a big tension still. Um, I don't know whether it's so tense now. I really, it probably was tense maybe in the 1990s because there was a, a kind of a lexicon that had been developed by particular leaders who wanted to kind of keep it, oh, it must be like this and it must remain like that. Mm. But there were faults in the way that was seen as well. So Toi o Hokuyapiti was all about interrogating the richness of that space. And I think um, I think Bob mentioned in the book as well as with the 1990s and the right, you know, appropriation of Māori cultural context was rife. Yes. And it's okay because I'm an individual artist and I can tap... Tickies, tickies and all of that. You know, all of that kind of business. <laughs> but um, in saying that, we were training young Māori potential artists to be really engaged in the criticality and the politics of the image. And and it was it was just fantastic. Everyone loved it. Um, I think, you know, you made the point before about that, the um, Bob's kind of framework, which, um, I mean, I know I used to try and take to the museology of Te Papa and it was, you know, a bit of tension there about people wanting to kind Mm. of actually take that on. But I actually think things have shifted so dramatically now where people are very, I mean, Bob's um, framework is people are very open to that because I would say I'd be in the toiretike, you know, I'm in the... I'm in the different world. I'm in the, but I'm deeply grounded in my tukurehetanga, and no one can take that. So away. that's your, the non-customary art. Yeah, that definitely would say. non-customary. <laughs> but I, I think it it's reflected if you look at the name of the book, Kimuri Kimua, um, or Kimua Kimuri. We've got two exhibitions going on the Pataka one, so Kimuri Kimua. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the past is in front of your face. Yeah. And so your ancestors are in front of your face. So you're sourcing your the depth of your knowledge and understanding from that function and your future's behind you. So that whole kind of different, um, that decolonizing of the, the time um, is really critical. And that's why it became a really important thing when Kura was curating the exhibition in 2020, that we would use that. Right. And I know I've used it when I was a curator at Te Papa as well. You know, take that kind of concept to other people to say you need to look at a Māori world in a different way. Mm. We're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you what the course is like now because I understand it's sort of got this te reo toi Māori. It's much more Māori language-centred, is it? How is really, it, how's it working in Palmerston North now? Te reo Māori is really normalised and, and has been normalised in um, the, the programme in Palmerston North with leaders like Karanga Waimash, um, Erena Arapere, I mean, the key teaching staff there. Um, I mean, Kura, you know, she's really, I mean, we used to always talk about ourselves as being perpetual, you know, Tawera Māori, Te Reo Māori. Like, we, you know, we're still students in Te Reo. But because they use the language all the time because they're dealing with students whose first language is Te Reo, um, the normalisation yeah. of the vernacular Māori language is really quite fantastic. It's awesome to go and sit in on a class and it's all in te reo. I mean, I'm looking at a master's at the moment in te reo, um, <laughs> but I think the calibre of students who are immersed in that space are actually, again, being politi- politicised within te reo Māori, and that's becoming the core of their, of yeah. their practice. So 
Um, I, I do um, pay tribute to um, those young women who really are transforming the teaching space there oh, through contemporary mm. Māori visual art. Well, kia ora huhana. Thank you for joining us. We're joined here by Dr Huhana Smith talking about the 25-year legacy of Toiho Ki Apati, the School of Māori Art Programme at Massey University. Beautiful new book, Ki Mua Ki Muri. It's out from Massey University Press right now.